Hello, you're listening to Interzone Pod. My name is Gareth Jelly. I'm the editor of Interzone, and today I'm talking to Anya Loren Wilson. Hello, Anya. Thank you very much for coming on today and talking to me. Thank you for having me. I wanted to sort of start off. You you are a writer. You're an editor, and you also review. You, you you have these sort of different sort of aspects to what you're doing. How, how kind of in what order did those sort of come about, and how did they come about? Uh, thanks for that question. It's a really good one. Um, I think I started writing first, uh, and I kind of got into uh, poetry for a while, um, and then from poetry I moved into fiction because it made more money and it had more venues for me to publish in uh, and I wanted to make writing a career so I was like all right fiction is where it's at um and so I started writing fiction uh but I wasn't any good at it um as uh many of us are when we start writing fiction uh or writing at all uh so I wasn't any good at it so I was like all right let me like pump my brakes I'll do some exercising like writing exercising and kind of learning about craft but I'll also start uh kind of getting into editing and realizing how to talk about story and how to work with story and diagnose story problems. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I started learning about that. And then I fell into um, first reading or slush reading for Strange Horizons. And I was with them for, I think I've been with them since 2015 or 2014. um, So a while now. Uh, And that started giving me a lot more like actual experience of like talking about stories and kind of learning more about them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as I was doing that, I was like, well, I want to like, you know, talk about this with someone, but I didn't have like many people that I could talk to or like I wanted to talk too much. But I was like, I'll just start writing reviews. Uh, And at first I did it just on a blog Uh, And then um, I started pitching it to places and people were like, yeah, sure. You know, we'll pay you to write about this thing, Uh, a book or movie, or I think for a while I even did some like horror audio, like records and albums and stuff like that. And I've reviewed those for a couple of places. Um, But it kind of all just snowballed from like me loving story and wanting to understand story. Uh, and just like, I don't know, loving writing about it so much and talking about people. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of like all built together into this web of all these things that I now work on. <laughs> well, that that's that kind of leads into the next question in a way, because I, I, I kind of wonder, you, you mentioned you were reading at Strange Horizons for a long time and how, uh, I mean, what, what sort of things took you by surprise when you found yourself reading a lot of you know, submissions and, and, and just generally, how did that sort of reading process you know, educate you as a writer? Yeah, another solid, really good question. Um, I think the first thing I realized was uh, that there's a lot of uh, the same story that comes through mm-hmm. um, that like, I even found a couple of my stories and that's kind of like a joke. Uh, that I have with some of my other uh, editors over at Strange Horizons, we'll see like stories that come through and be like, I wrote this story. Like I know this story, <laughs> like this is one of my stories. How did they find this? Uh, but it's just like how surprising it is that there's just like people writing very similar stories. If not like we've even found stories with like really similar titles and like it, there's like weird. Um, and this is like before the whole AI thing, uh, 
So it's very, yeah, there's just, people may think they have like a super original idea. Uh, but I always say like, and what like it kind of taught me was even if I think my idea is original, twist it, keep pushing it, like go past what I think is even like a good idea into like a whole new realm. Uh, I think that's one thing that's definitely helped me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Twisting it and pushing it sounds, sounds like a good way of, yeah, a, a good way of thinking about writing generally. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're submitting. Uh, Cause yeah, that just like, especially if you're submitting to themed too. Right. Right. And, and did, did, did you, I mean, was one of those common traits you saw, those sort of things you sort of kept seeing again and again, were they, were they kind of tropes very often or, or themes or, you know, things that maybe had come out of calls? Because I, I know when I started reading um, for, for Interzone, one of the things that Andy Cox, the previous editor mentioned was that they've been getting a lot of food stories, you know, over the, over the, you know, the, the previous sort of month or so. And he said, they seem to be loads of stories about food. <laughs> like maybe, maybe there'd been a competition. Like was, was it working on that level or was it sort of, was it also structural? Was it sort of, you know, just sort of stories that kind of seem to have the sort of same, you know, starting with the same beats? Yeah, I think, um, I think the reason why it happens a lot, like you start kind of noticing it, especially when you're like, reading for a magazine that gets like thousands of submissions, uh, you just read through hundreds and hundreds of stories. And after a while, you're like, oh my God, like, I'm pretty sure I've read this same story like 20 times. <laughs> and then you go through and you realize you have like, these things are just coming up just because you have a larger uh, sampling pool. Um, but I think what happens a lot is also the anthology open calls. Like you can usually tell uh, when an anthology open call has like just closed, all of the like rejections and acceptances have gone out. And then next thing you know, you get all of these like, uh, I think for a while we had like a lot of mermaid stories. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was getting mermaid stories. for a while. <laughs> Yeah. There's like, uh, and you can kind of, you know, go back and track and be like, all right, well, who like just closed up and sent out all of their notices uh, and mm -hmm. see that. Yeah. Yeah. People just submit and I get it. I do the same thing. If something doesn't work, you know, you find a new home for it. That's just the cycle of being a writer. Um, but I also think that like some of the commonalities are like thematic, like um, someone will tackle a story idea that may be like really interesting and unique and original, but they won't do it in a way that's uh, nuanced. So it's like they just had that really great idea, but about 10 other people had that great idea and then just wrote the first story that came to mind. And so it follows the very same, yeah, thinking framework in a lot of ways. Uh, it'll be like, oh, what's this? Uh, I'm trying to think of like a couple ones that come through. A lot of times uh, we get things that deal with um, like parenting hmm. and uh, like monstrous children and like what to do uh, or like what they do. And it kind of always follows like very similar structures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the ones that step out of those, those are the ones that are like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's that's fascinating um and and, and what about the, you know in in terms of the 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 editing then and i suppose the sort of the you know editing your own work as well are you uh, are you just sort of on on the lookout for things in your own work and in the work that you get at strange horizons and just sort of you know in, in a very very sort of 
different way because you have such you have that kind of you know what is it six or seven or eight years of of reading does that really sort of change the way you look at your writing I think it has um and I it changes like how I look at my writing and also my writing processes uh like I used to be a very fast drafter um and that worked really well uh, for a while and it produced a lot of stories. But as of late, I've been trying to slow down uh, and kind of probe my stories even further uh, and just, yeah, kind of see where they can go, uh, not only on the line level, but like, yeah, on the themes and the ideas and the symbols that come up. Um, and then as an editor, I it comes up with like, yeah, kind of what stories I'm looking for. and um like what stories uh, or what I want those stories to do or what I'm hoping that those stories can do. Um, like every time we open up to submissions, we'll usually talk about, you know, Hey, like what are some themes you're looking for? Like what should we specifically be looking for um, in the slush, the pull out. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of times, you know, those things will change uh, or they'll say the same. It's like, Oh, you know, always diverse. Like we're always looking for that type of stuff, but when it comes to the themes and how the structures work, um, yeah, I can tell that over time they just kind of, yeah, I want to see not darker, but stories that go a little bit further. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about you, you know, your kind of influences, the, the, the writers that when you started writing or, you know, when you're writing now that you, you kind of have in mind, maybe not as sort of direct influences, but that you kind of look to for a sort of inspiration? When I first started out, I think a lot of my influences um, were Dorothy Parker. I spent a lot of time reading Dorothy Parker poems and Dorothy Parker fiction. I just love Dorothy Parker. Uh, and that was just me in my 20s, being a 20-year-old. Uh, and after that, I just kind of went through, because I worked at a bookstore and I worked in the book department at Goodwill when I started kind of writing. Um and so I kind of just went and I just started picking up books and just grabbing anything uh, that was interesting to me. Um, and that kind of got me introduced to a lot of different writers. Uh, and I started getting really into Joyce Carol Oates. Oh, okay. Uh, because she felt kind of like uh, a, a darker Dorothy Parker. Like she still had the same <laughs> sarcasm. She still has like uh, the same like strong female characters and the strong women characters that I really like. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, just like, yeah, Joyce Carol's works just goes so, so much further um, and so much in a different uh, dark realm. Mm -hmm. And I started getting really into that type of, yeah, literary writing that bordered on like horror or fantasy um, and stuff like that. Uh and then I started falling into like Ray Bradbury and I started really loving his stuff. Um, and I still do. Uh, but I think now my influences are definitely more like Stephen Graham Jones is a huge influence. Uh, I just went through a little bit of doing some copy work on mongrels for a while. Uh, that was fun. Okay. I don't know if you've done copy work or want me to get into what that is I, I i left it hang there and i was yes go into copy work that sounds fascinating yeah copy work is uh just um picking a text and then uh rewriting it word for word uh 
A lot of times people will say do it by hand, uh, but I like to type it up on my AlphaSmart because I really love deleting the file at the end. It's very therapeutic for me to like write a bunch of text and then just delete. Um, The purpose is is to kind of uh, ingest the writing and the style and get a sense of how the author goes about building certain scenes or characters. Um, And you can use it to pinpoint like specific techniques you want to learn. Like if you're trying to learn how to write a fight scene, like find a good fight scene and rewrite it. Like just write the exact same words uh, and figure out what the writer did line by line to make that scene work. Okay. Um, And so, yeah, that's what I did with uh, Mongrels. I kind of just went through it because I really love the way that uh, Stephen Graham Jones builds like family dynamics in that. Um, And if you've never read Mongrels, it's a coming of age werewolf story. Uh, Yeah. And it's, it's really good. Uh, (laughs) It's real, real good. It's dark. emotional. It kind of sells itself. (laughs) (laughs) All the things you want from a Stephen Graham Jones book. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. Right now I want to say, I think a lot of my influences are that Um, I've been really getting into uh, of course I'm blanking on authors. I'm trying to look at my bookshelves to see like, yeah, what like stands out as influences. But honestly, it's just like whatever catches my eye. I really love the reformatory. I just read that. Um, and that I feel like has changed how I view writing about tough subjects. Like it's totally okay. reached my mind. Um, and I love that. The cop- the copywriting is, is really intriguing. I, I, it, it- I had I, I had a feeling that it was something to do with this. I wondered if it was you know like layering something on top. But I, it, when you started describing it, it reminded me of um, I forget where I saw it. I think it was a I think it was a documentary, but it was Hunter S. Thompson mm-hmm. had apparently you've heard the story. It, it, it typed out The Great Gatsby I think multiple times uh, just to sort of yeah. I think he also does the Bible or did the Bible? Did he do the Bible as well? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's it, it, it's sort of, it, it's such a fascinating process to sort of sit down and do that. And and you do it on on an on an alpha right, one of these little kind of disconnected typing devices. Is that right? Yeah, that just has like a little screen. Uh, it's just because with um, with that type of yeah, copy work. I didn't want to put it into a document and actually dig into it. I just wanted to kind of, yeah, write it through, examine it, and then keep going and then delete it when I was done. Uh, I think Hunter S. Thompson did a typewriter. I think so. I think that was this. Yeah, I, I remember it being, which also just seemed to be so, so sort of labor intensive, like you really would, you know, you, you mentioned sort of, you know, really sort of ingesting it. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a, that's like muscle memory ingestion. That's everything when you do it, when you're actually hearing the typewriter and taking a whole sort of a whole book. But no, that's, I can imagine you kind of, you take the rhythm as well. The rhythm kind of comes through. Yeah, the rhythm. Uh, I've heard some people uh, say that they use it for figuring out voice, like character voice in their own voice as well. Uh, you you mentioned that you well I I know you've written poetry as well you you write poetry as well I think how how does the how do those different sort of parts of your writing brain connect the sort of the prose writer and the poetry writer I think I just like uh 
kind of like tried to touch base with him. Like, how do y'all, you know, connect? Do you talk? Do you wrestle? What is it? Uh, and it was just like, <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> but that's not true because I can tell that like uh, both sides come up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think uh, since poetry was the first thing I started writing and I kind of always feel like that's like my first uh, sort of language, like my first literary language was poetry that I see that come up way more in my fiction. Um, Like, yeah, my writing tends to be a little bit more evocative and have the flow or the feeling uh, very similar to my poems. Um, Mm -hmm. And now when I like sit down and I write poems, I can tell that the narrative structure of a fiction is there. There's more story and less feelings. Um, Uh, Okay. Yeah. And so like they kind of, yeah, take from each other where one gives voice and the other gives structure. Hmm. That's a lovely way of putting it. You, you, you're also, um, you, you write a lot of craft articles. You're very involved in a lot of sort of, you know, uh, you're helping other writers to write better. Um, when, when did that start and, and, you know, where can listeners find that, that part of your work? Uh, I think that started around the same time I started kind of just doing, um, reviews on my blogs. Um, yeah, I was just like, oh, like I have these thoughts about writing and I kind of just want to get them out. Um, and at first, uh, it was just kind of like, yeah, me thinking about writing. Uh, but then as I got more developed and kind of researched more and dug more into craft, um, and analyzed more fictions and like my own writing, uh, I got, uh, yeah, my craft articles became less like, I wonder what this is about and more like, Oh, I see. Let me like try to help other people see. Um, and a lot of people started connecting with it more and being like, okay, this makes sense. Like the way you describe it, it finally (laughs) connects. I didn't get it before, but this makes sense. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to just uh, the examples I use, uh, like on my website where people can find a lot of different uh, writing resources, because that's where I used to post a lot of my stuff. I use uh, scenes from movies or from TV shows. I use, um, I think there might even be somewhere I use poems. I use like fictions. I use kind of like any form of story that I can to help get the point across to people because uh, a lot of times someone might un- not understand uh, a fiction narrative and how it breaks down a beat. But like if they see it in a visual format, they'll be like, oh, I see. This makes sense now. Um, okay. And uh, so I started there and then uh, I have a lot. I think I've been writing for Writer's Digest for the past two years. So I have a lot of articles and um past issues of those. And I have some articles coming up in next year's issues as well, um, on voice exercises. Um, but yeah, I feel like I've been writing about, um, writing (laughs) for (laughs) about, uh, maybe half the time since I've been writing. So for a few years now, um, and it also helps just to have a, I have like a really, what's a good word for it? I have a really dedicated writing community uh, that uh, is like here where I live um, and they're really great. Uh, We meet like every week and we have workshops uh, and it's great to have other writers to talk to about craft um, and kind of get feedback on 
yeah, how to discuss certain um, techniques in a way that everyone can understand them. Because uh, a lot of times, mm-hmm. uh, especially when I was starting out, I would like come across a technique and be like, I don't really understand this. And then someone would try to tell me uh, in a way that just didn't work for my brain. Like I would just be like, <laughs> it would be that like um, uh, that meme where like someone's staring and there's all those equations happening. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be me when someone was explaining craft to me. Um, right. And so like uh, working with different writers has helped me figure out, yeah, that everyone kind of learns differently and what different ways to kind of like teach people um, and talk about craft and do exercises in a way that helps people learn. Right. That sounds, and, and the, the, the name of that is, is it South, South Sound Speculative Fiction? Is that right? Yes. The South Sound Speculative Fiction Group, um, that's the writing group. And if you, if anyone like looks it up, it'll take you them to uh, our Reddit. And that's where we post all of our workshops. So people can use those workshops uh, and they have resources uh, and they're all focused on different craft techniques. Um, and uh, I put those together with feedback from the group. And so that's like another place people can go to get some craft resources. If like they're trying to learn uh, our most recent one was food world building and how to use food to world build. And so we have a bunch of resources on that up there. Uh, Yeah. When you're, you mentioned the sort of the importance of, you know, the writing community and, and with your own writing, is there, is there a point where you know you feel ready to share it or is that right at the beginning or, or are you sort of not so much solitary, but are you kind of writing for yourself initially and then you reach a point where you want to sort of take it to the group? Uh, It's uh, definitely the right for myself and my imagined reader who's like sitting in the car with me and we're going on this wild ride together. Um, (laughs) And then once that's all out, uh, then yeah, I usually take it through one or two edits and get it reader ready. Um, Which for our, for the group that I take it to, we don't demand it be like, you know, grammatically correct because we're not doing line edits on a story. Um, so like I try to make it readable, but there's going to be typos and things like that. Um, but I try to get it to a point where I think my message is coming across. Like if I'm at that point where I'm like, yeah, everything is the exact way I think it should be. And I think people should be able to pick up on this, like pick up on XYZ, whether it's like the emotion I'm trying to create or the action that's happening in a scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the way we function with our critique group, you have to give uh, focus points. So you have to give like the critiquers, like uh, what you want them to kind of focus on and give you pointers on. Um, And that's always helpful. uh, Cause if I'm at a point where I'm like, all right, I want to share this, but I have literally no idea what I want people to focus on. I can tell that I'm I'm not really ready to share it at that point because if I'm like, oh, well, like it's perfect. Like there's nothing that can change in this, right? That, that's, <laughs> that's just never true. <laughs> right, okay. Like if I'm thinking that I'm already wrong. Uh, so I usually will like wait until I'm at a point where I have actual things that I want to solve with the story where I'm like, okay, like, you know, this is really good, but I need to make sure that I'm saying what I think I'm saying and it's coming across the way I want it to, to another person. Right. And your, your interzone 295 story 
building blocks. What was the message? What was the message you had in mind when you started writing that, or or what was the sort of the, you know, the first brick, I suppose, in 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 in, in you know getting to that that story. Um. Yeah, I I wanted to say woot because I'm so excited to you know work woot, with you. It's good. And it's so exciting, just very very exciting. We'll never stop wooting about it. Um, but for that story, honestly, I wanted to write um, a day in a life, uh, kind of like a longer vignette. Uh, the way I've described it to some friends, some writing friends, is. Um, all vibes, like all vibes in like a fantasy world. Like I really wanted to capture a character's feelings and emotions through like a day in their life um, mm-hmm. that actively made people care, even if there wasn't conflict or like things exploding or all of this crazy stuff happening. It was just, they cared about this character and the other characters and what was happening in this world. And it was just interesting enough as it was that was like my main goal for that story yeah you and you did that no exactly i mean the vibes for sure and and that sort of yeah that sort of the, the sort of the strong my, my own sort of strong feeling for the character but without there needing to as you say without there needing to be anything you know grand or you know the it's it's a re, you know you mentioned it's like an expanded vignette and it it's, that's an in, that's an interesting kind of way of thinking of it as well but it is a very yeah it's a yeah it's it, it's doing a lot in a very sort of in a very sort of sort of quiet way which I think is often you know going back to sort of reading submissions I think some, sometimes you read like stories that are trying from you know out of the gate to do so much so quickly and to have so much story and yeah that's a that's definitely what drew me to it. Yeah. And um, I think uh, one of the things I was playing with was like, I like the idea of the cool world um, that Burst lived in and how, yeah, there was magical home construction. I was like, that's awesome. And people live on the moon. That's cool. <laughs> and I was like, but there's no fighting. There's no like all of this evil. There's no huge stakes. We're just going to hang out with Burst and we're just going to be with them while they work. Like that's that's it. It's just a day with this really cool person. <laughs> and and how how I mean, do you remember how the how your writing group sort of you know worked on that story with you? Was there you know what what, what was that? Were there any insights you gained there that you can remember now or or not? Uh, yeah, the writing group and the people in it at the time. Um, when I was trying to tell them what I was going for, uh, they gave me a lot of points on like what stakes felt like were naturally coming out of the story um, and how, because of the way a lot of American readers are when they go into a story, they're going to be looking for stakes and they're looking for conflict. And I was like, no, 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 but I don't, I don't really want like all of that. Like I just kind of want like this person in their life. Like, and I just want to go through that. Um, and I want to like go into their emotions and like what they're feeling. Um, but, uh, and I don't want to give too much away about the story, but there is conflict that comes up. Um, and uh, they gave me some pointers on how to make the conflict that does come up not be so overarching that be- that becomes the part of the story. That becomes like the main issue of the story is like, okay, so this isn't a story about verse. This is a story about like verse and this conflict they're having at work when 
that's not what I wanted. I wanted a story that's like literally just about this person, the work they do and the passion they have and the feelings they have for home. Oh, that's great. I think that to me, that sounds like a great example of where you know you need to have that clear idea in your mind and then sort of stick to, you know, stick to your guns and stick to the stick to that kind of, you know, the vision of what you have for the story and with the right community, the right kind of people that will, you know, they'll, they'll help you get that out. So that's, that's, that's a, that's a really sort of positive example. Yeah. Um, and you're so right. Uh, yeah, the wrong communities can definitely kind of hinder a story and even like hurt a writer's voice or even their belief in what they want to do with the story. Mm-hmm. Have, have you ever, I mean, obviously it's, I guess it's a tricky question, but, but have you ever sort of, you know, be, you know, received the, the sort of feedback that you do feel compromises that and, you know, had, you know, has it been easy to push back against it? Cause I think there's a, I think there is always that question, isn't there? Of you know, what, you know, you have an editor or you have a reader who sort of you know comes with something, and yeah, you just know it's not the right thing. But for you know, for a writer who's starting out, it's sometimes difficult to to differentiate between you know the good advice and the advice that maybe isn't right for that story and that writer. Uh, yeah, that has happened uh, to me, uh, to one of my first stories that I ever wrote when I was like, okay, I'm going to be a professional speculative fiction author. That's what I'll do. Like mm-hmm. mindset on it, going to get to work. Uh, and I wrote a story um, right after reading uh, a bunch of Samuel R. Delaney books, who is another like big influence on my writing. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to write this like really weird story about trauma monsters on this island. Uh, And when I first shared it with my writing group, it was like, everyone was like, this is not good. Like, okay, this is a really bad story. They like, they tore it apart. Uh, And this was a writing group from like way before um, the one I'm in now. Like, I want to say I was in this writing group when I was in my like early 20s. I think at the time we called it like little darlings or something like that. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, it was like, uh, yeah, it was so, it was just like nothing was good about it. Um, uh. And I remember thinking they don't get it. <laughs> like that was kind of a thought. I was like, I know that this story has heart and I know it's there and it's got something to it. They just don't get it. And so I was like, I won't continue sharing it. Uh, And I kind of just continued working on it. And then I shared it again with another writing group. And they also said that it wasn't good. (laughs) And they were like, this is a bad story. This is bullshit. You're doing too many things that you shouldn't be doing. Uh, And I was still like, you know, I'm pretty sure they don't get it. (laughs) Like, I I know what I'm doing here. I trust in, like, my abilities and in my idea for this story. And so, like, I just kept working on it and kept working on it. Uh, and by the third time I shared it with the group. And at this point it was with, uh, the South sound speculative fiction writers group. Um, the people in it. And one of the people was someone who saw the earlier version. Uh, they were now getting it. They were starting to see like the themes were starting to come out. And while some things were really confusing, um, and it was all related to character motivation and kind of world logic, um, they were, it was starting to kind of get closer to like the final finish. Uh, And 
Yeah. And so like I ended up selling that story to the magazine of fantasy um, and science fiction. And it took like five or six years to kind of, uh, yeah, get up to like the point where it was able to, yeah, go out on submission. Um, But a lot of it was just like belief in the story and holding really tight to my idea for what I wanted the story to talk about and to kind of go over. Um, and I think if I didn't have like that hard belief in like my themes and how I wanted them to show up on the page, I probably would have listened to everyone who said the story was like, you know, bad. If <laughs> I would have been like, you know what, you're right. I don't really know what this story is doing. I don't know why I'm here. Mm. I'll just toss it. Oh, that's that's a wonderful story. And and as soon as you mentioned trauma and islands, I was thinking that's that's the magazine of fantasy and science fiction story. I, I think I, I wonder I wonder if I, I I was thinking is this is this story going in a wonderful direction? And it was so. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. I feel like if I ever mention like trauma monsters and islands, I think most people in my life will be like, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's that one story. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 great. Um yeah, so you, you, yeah, have that you, you have faith in it, yeah, and keep on going. Um mo- moving on to to um you, you said you you told me in in an email that you're working on uh on a dark fantasy uh, is it a dark fantasy novella? Yeah, I'm checking my notes. So you you're working on a dark fantasy novella. Um can can you tell us anything more about that? Uh yeah, I Sorry. Oof. I had a burp. <laughs> you don't have to edit that. Everyone burps. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that is a, God, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. It is a modern epistolary novel or novella um, about a elderly woman who finds a baby in the snow Uh, But the baby is a strange creature that eats inanimate objects and ages rapidly um, based on emotions and desire and wants. Um, And it's about their relationship and their relationship with their town uh, as the town is going through a major development. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully I will have something out for people to read on that soon. Uh, I was quarrying it, but no one picked it up. So I plan on serializing it or self-publishing it Mm -hmm. because it's a fun wild ride. (laughs) Oh, that sounds, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, You, you self-publish your poetry, I think, don't you? Directly off the site or or am I misremembering? I I feel like I've seen something of yours self-pubbed. Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple of self-published titles. I have a self-published short story collection and a self-published poetry collection um, that, yeah, are available through my site and through Barnes and Noble. Um, And I think like a couple of indie bookstores, like I know like it's available through my local indie bookstore. Um, But yeah, I sometimes will self-publish titles. I mean, do you feel that now with the sort of the, you know, the, the the sort of this the short fiction the sort of short fiction mags going through so many changes and that you know it's so hard to kind of find sometimes the right home for things is do you think that you know serialization newsletters self-pubbing in this way do you think this is a sort of a way it's something we're going to see a lot more of 
um, because there are sort of, you know, there are so many people writing and there are so many stories that, you know, want and need to be out there. Is, is that something you're kind of actively pursuing? Um, I am actively pursuing it. Uh, but I think uh, kind of to that, for me, I think that there are so many publications out there. And a lot of times we can get in the mindset that there's not. Um, but there are, there are like hundreds and like some are starting like even now, like today, like there are some that are reopening. Like uh, I think there's a lot of places out there uh, for short uh, stories. Um, and I think there's a lot of venues. I don't think there's a lot for longer short stories. So for novelettes and novellas, um, mm. those there's not a lot of publications that publish those. So for those, I do see that there is a huge uh, opportunity for people to do self-publishing. Mm-hmm. And and serialization is 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 a nice is is a nice approach as well. Particularly, I think with the way you know people, uh, I, I'm seeing more sort of you know more regular or semi-regular newsletters that have that have stories or that have you know narratives and things in them, which I think are yeah, that's that's definitely something something appealing. I I, I can see the appeal of that. Yeah. And, you know, I always really love the idea of serializing something and I've always wanted to either on my blog or in a newsletter. Um, I think it's that like romantic writer idea of like, oh, yes, you know, I send out like uh, a chapter of a story like Charles Dickens. I, like, <laughs> I don't know. There's something magical about it. And I'm like, at one point in my career, I, I like need to serialize a novel. Um mm. And what better one to do than uh, one that's made of journal entries, emails, and text messages and things like that. That, yeah, it, that type of yeah. format, uh, the epistolary one, just makes it really easy to serialize. That's great. And and um, you you you're also you also said you're researching a, a horror thriller, and I, I maybe maybe you can sort of maybe that's sort of at an earlier stage so it's harder to talk about but i but i wonder yeah could can you talk about it and also you know when it comes to horror and dark fantasy and your sort of approach to genre generally you know do do you have an approach to genre do, are, are you thinking in terms of genres with your writing or do the sort of do the boundaries blur do, you know do, do they kind of come together at certain points um that's such a good question uh I think what I'm writing and it's like first drafting and it's just me and my imaginary reader, we're hanging out in that car and we're driving. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think about genre. I think I, I'm just writing and I'm trying to tell a good story and trying to keep them entertained. Um, but as I sort of get more into like the editorial thinking, the editorial side of things of like, all right, how do I categorize this? Like, who is my reader though? Where does my reader go in a bookstore? Where would they like, mm -hmm. if they were explaining this to someone else, like how would they describe it? Um, and then genre starts coming in more. Uh, and for the horror thriller that I'm researching right now, I think the most I can say about it is that it's, <laughs> it's really, um, God, uh, dark. And I'm kind of working through the outline and a lot of uh, research into addiction and harm reduction and uh, just 
the impact that it's had on America uh, throughout history and even now, um, but also digging into some true crime stuff, um, Mm. world building things. uh, And it's all just creating this bubbly mash of dark horror Mm. stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's so hard to like, really, yeah. Talk about it at such a stage where like, yeah, I'm still changing things like character names. Um, But yeah, uh, what I'm looking into, it's like, yeah, trying to tell a story uh, about, uh, I love writing about home and just the different themes related to home and our connection to home. And so this is another one that's going to be about home. Uh, And so I'm trying to kind of uh, figure out how to write about our responsibilities to home Mm. um, and how our... Or not, yeah, how our approaches to handling uh, some of the policies and social, God, reactions, taboos related to drug use and addiction, um, mm. and how closely related to religion and belief and salvation mm. all of it is. Uh, and kind of, yeah, just trying to examine that. Wow, that's that's a that's a lot. That's a, that sounds that also sounds really really interesting. So, yeah, I'm having fun. It's really uh, working my brain. <laughs> <laughs> you you mentioned sort of true crime and horror, and and the book that jumped to mind was David Demchuk's Red X. I don't know if if you've seen that one yet, but he he kind of wrote a, a, a great sort of horror novel, which is yeah you know blend blending sort of you know all sorts of you know darker parts of reality you know all sorts of truths and and also you know being a horror novel i think those are that's that, that's a really kind of fascinating approach to all, all sorts of themes but particularly you know themes to do with you know social themes in particular for sure yeah uh thank you for that recommendation i wrote it down i will be looking into it um what about what about your kind of uh, yeah your reading at the moment is there anything you'd like to to signal boost or, or recommend anything that's been on yeah, being sort of on your radar. Um, yeah, let me pull up my story graph. I'm also going to boost story graph. Everyone should get it. Um, <laughs> it's okay. really great. It's a reading tracking app and a book tracking app. Uh, but I'm so bad at remembering like the books I'm reading when I read them. So I have to have like some sort of way of tracking everything. Um, but yeah, uh, I've mentioned it uh, earlier. But uh, the Reformatory uh, is coming out by Tyrannery Du, and I believe it's coming out Halloween. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I think it's coming out Halloween 2023, so in a couple of weeks. Uh, and that's a horror historical fiction, um, and it blends the realities of the Jim Crow South with horror elements in such a way that's like terrifying and heartbreaking. and. I love that. That's if you can be scary and make me cry all at the same time. Wow. Okay. You, you've won me over. It's such a good book. Uh, so I'm just going to keep shouting about that forever. <laughs> I want everyone to read it. It's so great. Um, and uh, Vampires of El Norte. That's another great one. Um, and that one is by Isabella 
Kananez, I think is how you pronounce her last name. But I, if I'm mispronouncing it, I'm super sorry. Uh, okay. But Vampires of El Norte, that is, uh, I think it just came out last month in September. Um, and that is a really interesting vampire book that blends uh, kind of like Western novels and like Western romances with vampire themes. Um, Ah. And it's really entertaining and like a very quick read. Uh, It's like that kind of like uh, really good pacing. You kind of like blow through it really quickly just because it's so exciting. Okay. Um, Yeah. uh, I just finished Stephen Graham Jones after the people lights have gone off. um, And that's one of his short story collections. Um, and I really like it, uh, because I feel like in those stories, uh, it was really good, quiet horror. It was really good, like, yeah, unsettling type of dread, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, I think is kind of hard to do for a lot of writers. Some people, especially writing horror tend to lean to like, yeah, let me just like freak people out and throw all of these dark <laughs> things. But that's not, uh really what this book does. Uh, and I, I love that. Um, but yeah, I have read a couple of other books, uh, nonfiction ones that are also really great. Uh, but I won't get into those cause I read so many books and I listen to so many audiobooks. Uh, but yeah, those three, I think, uh, are really great and people should check out vampires of El Norte, the reformatory and after the people lights have gone off. Thank you very much. Those are those are great. I, I, the the you said you listen you listen to audiobooks and as well as reading. What's the criteria? Because I listen to a lot of audiobooks and I tend to do it probably when I'm partly when I'm trying to relax more uh, and when I'm sort of just I just want to kind of you know just let something you know just be on in the background and I might kind of come in and out of it and I might sometimes you know go back and listen listen again uh, is uh, do you find that you take to certain audiobooks more than others either because of the content or the reader um no i think it's more based on what i'm reading the book for uh so if i'm reading it for like doing a review for lightspeed uh i always try to have a physical copy or uh an e-reader so that i can take notes and kind of like write little side things at certain moments. And that's super hard to do with audiobooks, even though I know there's a way to do it. I just don't like it as much as like a physical copy and like writing out a note of like what I'm thinking or feeling in a moment. Um, so yeah, uh, if it's a research book, I can do an audiobook because um, it's like, I can quickly write down a quick note that I hear. Um, if it's a passion book or like a, I really love uh, listening to history audiobooks. Um, so like I usually tend to listen to a lot of history audiobooks or like music theory books or stuff like that. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think recently it's mainly been like research books, uh, some history books and science books. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whatever I can get my hands on at my library. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, that's, that's, yeah that's all great um so you so you can read uh listeners you can find um building blocks in uh interzone 295 at interzone.press uh please do get a copy if you haven't already and um you can read stories that you've edited 
in Strange Horizons, um, reviews you've written in Lightspeed. You have the the Writing Craft newsletter, which I get through and which is always full of in- interesting things. Um, anything else we should mention before I go? Um, I have a really active uh, blog, author blog, uh, and it's AnyaLWilson.com. Um, and if you also just like look me up, you'll find all of my writing everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> It's easy to find. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, Anya. And uh, I, I hopefully we can talk again when maybe the novella or the novel is out. That's that's uh, that sounds that sounds awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. Uh, I really appreciate it.